1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 1 is where we want to begin our reading for our text today. 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 1. We have uh, been teaching and preaching on the anointing as we've studied the life of David. And uh, we want to go now and present to you what we believe is the seventh level of anointing. We have studied the life of David. We have seen where anointing is birthed in sacrifice. And then anointing comes looking for worshipers. And then when we have a heart to serve, we go to the next level. The fourth level is when that young man's faith took him on center stage and he went up against Goliath, that giant. And we learned that the fourth stage of anointing is dominion. But immediately after dominion comes humility as he has to deal with all of the envy and the strife as King Saul, his own king, turns on him. And as we made our way through that, we showed that the next level, the sixth level of anointing is mercy. As David is merciful to Saul, not just once, but twice, and is merciful to others that have mistreated him. And now we move to the seventh level, 1 Samuel chapter 30 and verse 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives and that were therein they slew not any either great or small but they carried them away and they went on their way they basically just came and pillaged the whole place took all of their families and took all their possessions and burned the city so David and his men came to the city and behold it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord is God sometimes you got to just encourage yourself and David said to Abathar the priest Ahimelech's son I pray thee bring me hither the ephah that was the garment they put on as they dedicated themselves to God and Abathar brought thither the ephah to David and David inquired of the Lord saying shall I pursue after this troop shall I overtake them and he answered him referring to the Lord answering David pursue for thou shalt surely overtake them and will without fail recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him and came to the brook Bezor where those that were left behind stayed. And the first three words of verse 10 encapsulates our thought today. But David pursued. But David pursued. Sometimes everything around you can be coming down. But you got to make up in your mind, I'm not going to sit here and die. I'm going to pursue the promises that God has put in front of me. Oh, hallelujah! We want to talk today on about this seventh level of anointing, spiritual pursuit. Would you lift your hands and your hearts and your voices right now in the name of Jesus Christ? By the anointing of the Holy Ghost, we pray that your spirit would fill this house. That you would touch us, Lord, with an anointing. That we would have the determination to pursue the things that you have placed in our hearts and minds. And that, Lord, you have promised us that you would give us the victory. Anoint our hearts and minds to receive your word. And boldness and courage to speak your word. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Even though David has spared the life of King Saul, not once but twice, driven by jealousy, fear, and rage, Saul, in his backslidden condition, continues to hunt David and try to kill him. During this time, David becomes a hardened warrior. He was always a skilled warrior, but now the months and months of running and living in dire conditions from cave to cave, on the run, a wandering nomad with 600 misfits warriors who have their own issues that have joined themselves today not sure where to go people without a home running for their lives 
it has made them even more fierce. More than once, David shakes hands with murder and each time a little more blood is staining his hands. Those hands that were the instruments of praise. Those hands that were given to strum the harp, to lift up even as he was on those pastures as a shepherd boy. Each time the blood of another opponent comes upon the hands of David, it moves him just a little further from the temple of God. To the point where later on in his life when he is king of Israel and has a desire to build a tabernacle of praise in honor of his God. To rebuild that temple. The Lord says your hands are bloody but I will put it in the heart of your son and he will build a temple and Solomon does and it's one of the seventh wonders of the world. But for this point in David's life he has reached the place where he feels trapped. He's second-guessing even his own instincts. He feels trapped spiritually. He feels trapped emotionally. He feels trapped even mentally. He has been cornered by circumstances beyond his control. But yet he refuses to develop the restless feelings and the harshness it comes into the mindset of a trapped animal. David refuses to live as a trapped animal. Because he's not an animal. And you and I are not just animals. We have a soul. We have a spiritual instinct that was given to us by our Creator. We're not on this earth just marking time. We don't just live by the impulses of our flesh, but we have a desire to connect with our Creator. So David is trying to find this balance. He's trying to hold it all together as best he can. Until Ziglag, that is. Ziglag pushes him to the brink of everything that has happened. You see, David has been forced to go and live with the Philistines. They're the arch enemies of Israel. He killed their giant, Goliath, from the city of Gath. And when he did, those Israeli soldiers pursued the Philistines and slew them and overtook them. And they all know that. All the Philistines know it. He killed their giant. But yet they take him in. They know he's a man without a home. They know that he is at odds with King Saul, who is their mortal enemy. But maybe they believe that him and his 600 band of men that have come together, perhaps they believe that they will be useful in some battle. And so they give him and those men a little area to live in. It's called Ziklag. Finally, the day comes after they've lived there for more than a year that the Philistines must go into battle. And so the king who has developed a friendship with David asked David and his men if they would join them in battle. David and his men, knowing that they must be loyal to the Philistines because they live in their part of the world now, they go and join themselves. And that great Philistine army begins marching toward their opponent which is the Israelites now these men are being put in a position where they must fight against their own countrymen what a conflict they're dealing with they put them in the back they've assigned them to bring up the flank and as that great Philistine army is marching and those 600 men those outcasts from Israel are bringing up the rear some of the generals and some of the princes in the Philistine army, they got an issue with this. They go and tell the king of the Philistines, you know what, we're putting ourselves in a vulnerable position. I don't, I don't know if we should fully trust David. He is an Israelite. We got some reservations about going into battle with David and his little band of weary men back there in the back, bringing up the flank. We're too vulnerable. 
They said, what if he flips in the middle of battle? And what if he decides to fight for the Israelites? We're going to be caught in between David and Saul. The king argues to these princes of the Philistines that David is loyal. And the princes continue to make their case and their logic prevails by asking this rhetorical question of the king of the Philistines. What if he, referring to David, reconciles with his master? And they said this, is not this the man to whom they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands? Ladies and gentlemen, that song has received quite a bit of airplay. It was not just sung on those streets that lead to the palace in Jerusalem, but the Philistines have heard about it. David's reputation precedes itself. The, final, the king, he has to agree with the, the advice of these princes. And he goes and tells David that it's requested that he and his men would return home. Now David, you know I trust you, but some of the generals are a little fearful of you going into battle. You know you did kill Goliath. And now it's a little uncomfortable for some of these guys. They've got memories of what it was like when you slew that giant and those Israeli soldiers started pursuing us and destroyed our army. Now I know a lot has changed between now and then. But for the sake of keeping, you know, some camaraderie and unity among the soldiers, I'm going to let you and your men go home. You're not going to have to fight anymore. That was an answer to prayer to David. David didn't want to go back and fight Saul anyhow. He didn't want to go back and fight the Israeli army. But he also had mixed emotions, no doubt, as he has to deal with the fact that he's not trusted by the Philistines. And those men are weary. They've already made a journey to join themselves to that army. Now they're told to return back to Ziglag. And as they're on their horses going back to Ziglag, they're having to process that they are people without a home. We've been chased by our own king. We're not trusted by the opponents of our king who we've been hanging out with. You're never going to be loved and accepted. You're never going to have a place. But at least there's Ziklag. Our little corner of the earth where our families await us. Ladies and gentlemen, can I stop and make this point today? You will never be loved and accepted by this world. You have won too many battles. You have experienced too much. You have struck fear into the hearts of the enemy too many times. You've prayed too many times. You've come to the house of God too many times. You have seen too much. They will never, ever accept you in this world. I feel in the Holy Ghost to say this. almost spent a couple of minutes here. You think you can be raised in the house of God as a young person? You think you can be raised in these altars? You think you can be raised sitting in the shadow of the Almighty and then somehow go out there and the world put a bunch of ribbons and accolades on you? You're never going to be one of them. You belong to God. You are a child of God. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. I've got treasures laid up. Every time you come to church when you didn't feel like it, it wasn't just God that took note of that. It was also your opponent, the enemy of your soul. Every time you prayed the midnight hour when your child was sick with a fever, 
and you could have gone to the doctor but instead you said let's get a hold of God and the Lord came down there in the middle of the night and that fever subsided devil took note of that one more giant you've killed every time the enemy put everything in your path to make you backslide and to fall into adultery but you went the other way and you got alone with God and you reconciled to your spouse and you got back at an altar you've killed too many giants to ever live with the Philistines you're not ever going to be at home in this world there's only one God and his name is Jesus and at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess you ought to lift up your voice like a trumpet Mm. Ziglag was never supposed to be their home it may have been their temporary residence but it was not home David and his men returned back to Ziglag when they get close they begin to see something they weren't expecting as they top the hill on their horses they see smoke coming up out of the camp they quicken their pace and bear down on the stirrups of their horses their hearts starting to beat faster as they get closer destruction becomes more and more clear they expect to hear the sound of kids they expect to hear the sounds of the camp as they're rustling around gathering the water and the necessary items for that evening's meal but it's quiet, it's eerie, it's so quiet. Can't believe it. It's like a ghost town. There's no voices. There's no kids playing. Still. Nothing but rubble. Smoke spin up into the atmosphere. That awful picture becomes clear as they dismount. And they begin to survey the damage. The Amalekites have invaded. Taken their wives and children. Taken all of their possessions. And then to add insult to injury. Burn their city to the ground. That's what the devil wants to do. He not only wants to rob from you what doesn't belong to him. He not only wants to take your family and your health and your possessions, but he wants to destroy every sense of self-esteem that's left in you. Every fragment of your mind, every nerve, every emotion, he wants to burn and dismantle so that you'll never even have a second thought that rising from the ashes like a phoenix to find your way back to an altar to once again lift up your heads and believe that God will visit you one more time I've come today to declare that the devil is a liar I don't know what's been stolen from you and I don't know what's been burned but I've got a God that has joy that's coming in the morning It's not over until God says it's over. They're already tired. They're already weary. They're already exhausted. How many of you know that's when the enemy hits you? Brother Anthony Esposito, who's in our church, him and his wife, have a tremendous commercial landscaping business in this area they were here in our 830 service and last week brother Anthony Esposito said I'm gonna bring my crew over some of his crew were in service last week and this morning as well he said we're gonna go over to your house we're gonna trim up all them palm trees take down and trim up those oaks and all those bushes and everything we're gonna clean it all up for you put in mulch around the flowers and I said oh that's fantastic so he brings his whole crew over they work all day long on Monday they get everything looking good 
keep the homeowner's president happy. He said, I don't charge you for my labor. I just come and volunteer. I said, no, you don't have to do that. Just charge me like you would anybody else. And he said, no, I got, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And he said, I just want to do it. You take care of us. We're going to take care of you. While he's out there in the front of my house, cleaning things up, gets bit by a black widow. I told him, I got a whole bunch of devils living around my house. Be careful if you come over. I'm glad it's on the outside of the house, though. They always trying to get on the inside of the house. That's why you got to plead the blood of Jesus over the doorpost. Good God Almighty. He ends up in the hospital. This giant of a guy, you guys know him. He used to be a bodybuilder, owned the Gold's Gym, was a bouncer in New York. This big giant of a guy, I find out he's in the hospital. Because of a little black widow hiding. out and starts drilling putting their poison into you they say we can't even give you pills we have to put you in the hospital spent two nights there had to put the antibiotics on an IV drip right into the bloodstream because his hands swelled up like that in his arm and it started streaking and wanting to get up in the bloodstream and put all that poison in there in those antibiotics sometimes it's not enough to just take a pill you got to have a direct feed Spiritually, sometimes you can just get by on going through the motions. But there comes a time when the devil's trying to put his poison in you. And you're like, I got to have a serious prayer. I can't just go through the motions. I can't have some passive approach to God. I need God to give me an IV of his anointing. I need God, hallelujah, today. To put his spiritual unction and let it flow through every vein, every muscle, every fiber of this body. I went up to visit him. I said, Anthony, I'm so sorry. You come over to try to help me out. I had some critter in the yard I didn't know about. Jumped up on you. He said, oh, that's how it happens. You know, you preached about it. As soon as you start trying to do right, do good, something hits you. How many of you can raise your hand and say you've experienced, not been beat by a black widow, but you've experienced something. Well, you have a good Sunday service full of the Holy Ghost. Come bouncing out of here and get a text message. Devil try to steal all your joy. Whew. I'm going to worship God anyhow. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. I'm not going to get it from my peers. I'm not going to get it from my mentors. It may not come from your spouse, but I can encourage myself in God. My God is faithful. My God is good. Oh, pastor, even the anointed feel this way? Even church-going folks feel this way. Even a pastor feels this way. If you're wearing flesh today, you're a human being. You're going to have some stuff. These grown men, warriors, fearless and bold in every possible way, now cannot do anything but stand in the ruined remains and lift up their voice and cry like a baby. And then, the unthinkable, the men turn on David. They begin a whispering campaign. He can see the glances, hear the hushed conversations. This is David's fault. He could have killed Saul, not once but twice. But his decisions have put us in peril. And now, we have lost everything. I am sick of it. Who does he think he is? Obviously, he's not led by God. Or we wouldn't have been in this situation. Let's kill him. If we can take him out, all of our troubles will go away. They loved him, but their grief was speaking, and grief is not logical. But the text is clear what happens next. David finds a place to pray. He finds a way to get his strength back. 
He doesn't look for a scapegoat. He doesn't turn on the men. He could have said, I'm the one that's been here for you. Where would you be if I hadn't been keeping you guys? Protecting you. But he doesn't. He knows it's got to come from within. He reminds himself that he is a friend of God. And that God has never forsaken him. Sometimes that's all you have, but it's enough. I said, sometimes that's all you have, but it's enough. He doesn't fly off the handle. He finds a way to encourage himself. He reminds himself that God is faithful. He starts to sing his own songs to himself. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Thousands elsewhere. Sometimes you've got to have to sing your own songs. You can't rely on your mama's prayers. You can't rely on your grandmama's prayers. You've got to find your own prayer. You've got to find your own way of touching God. You can't rely on the church. You can't rely on leaders. You've got to find a way to encourage yourself in the midst of the battle. God has given you a song, but you must sing it. Great is thy faithfulness. I don't know how he did it. I don't know where he went. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning. New mercies I see. All I had needed. Thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord unto me. Good God Almighty. Sometimes you got to remind yourself He's a good God. He's a faithful God. Jesus is my strength. Jesus is my strong. Jesus is my strong tower. In between verses of songs that David has written himself, he prays and asks God, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know I'm a man of action. You know I'm not afraid to fight. But I know you've got me on a journey and, and I need to know what is this test all about? What am I supposed to do? Do I pursue? And if I do, will I overtake them? Will I be victorious? Is this your plan? And the Lord says, pursue. The Lord says, pursue. Most of the times, the promise that are in front of us, we do not obtain because we are passive in our approach. For God is telling us today, everything you've been through, it's to bring you to this level where now God is sending a word straight from the throne of heaven. Pursue what God has put in your spirit and heart. Pursue. That's all David needed was a green light. Pursue. There's something about pursuing that God honors. He never turned away anybody that would pursue him. Not Jacob who pursued God in a wrestling match. Not the lady with the issue of blood. Not the four friends that ripped the roof off to get their sick friend to Jesus. Not blind Bartimaeus that cried out from the wayside. Not the four lepers on the outskirts of Samaria. Not Peter getting out of the boat. A spirit of pursuit is something that God can work with if we'll just get up out of our lethargy and say God I'm tired of sitting here you've got a plan you've got a calling you have a purpose for my life it is a faith that moves you towards your reward David and all 600 of his men, 200 of them are so faint they can't go any further so they stop at the brook Bezor. But 400 of them keep riding with David. Perhaps just fueled by their own adrenaline. I can hear them talking as they ride. 
We're going to get those guys. If God be for us, who can be against us? This is it. David's out front leading the charge because he knows God's in it. We're not just operating out of our own instincts. God is on our side. If God be for us, who can be against us? No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. God is my king. God is my conquering general. God has never lost one battle. They're riding, they're riding, they're riding, they're riding. They're on a mission. And they go through this long, flat area and they see this guy just wandering around out there. He's starving and dehydrated. Stumbles, falls down, stands back up. They stop and they go over to him. Hey man, are you okay? <laughs> he can't even stand up. Get an arm up under Hey guy, are you okay? And they look at him, he's all dehydrated. He hasn't eaten anything, the Bible says, in three days. Hasn't drank anything in three days. They start to give him some cake and some raisins and they, they give him some water and they, they try to help him. Here's what's interesting to me. They're not so busy pursuing that they don't pause to help somebody in need. Sometimes we get so busy with our agenda. We don't have time to stop and pick up somebody and bring them to church. We don't have time to stay after service. Pray with somebody at the altar. We got too much to do. Could it be that everything you've been praying for is all wrapped up in one person that you'll pause long enough to help them? To help them. Everything that you need could be waiting for you. If you just help one hurting soul. They give him a little bit of water, give him some food. I got to thinking about that's how the Lord works. We get the refreshing water from His Spirit. We're baptized in Jesus' name. We feel the nourishment when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. It's spiritual food for our soul. The Bible says that His Spirit revived in him as they fed him natural food the natural illustrates the spiritual the same thing happens spiritually when you come and feast on the word of God and you pursue the promises of God the water the cleansing water baptism wash around you your spirit revives in you David says hey who are you where are you from He's got a little bit of strength, enough to talk. He says, I, I'm an Egyptian. I, I was servant to an Amalekite. And we invaded this place called, I think it's called Ziklag, like three days ago. Came up through the south of Judah and we burned the city down. And, and we took everyone that was left there, mostly women and children. We took them all captive. All of these men, wild bears that have had their cubs stolen from them are glaring down at this man and their foot is tapping. Fire shooting out of the eye sockets. Is that right? Tell us more. Like a pack of hungry wolves. Well, I got sick and my master just threw me aside because I, I couldn't keep up. I don't belong to them now. He started putting two and two together. Is that right? hardened warriors that would make green berets and the Navy SEAL team look like choir boys these were bad dudes and all of their anxiousness is pinned in on this guy David says sir can I ask you a question yeah take us to them 
you've got to promise me something. What's that? Promise me you won't kill me. That seems like a logical request. And then he says, and don't return me back to my master. Ladies and gentlemen, sin is a ruthless master. It is dropping millions of people left and right off on the wayside. The path of life is littered with people who have been dumped by that taskmaster called sin. And all they need is somebody to stop. Pause long enough. Put your arm around them. Give them some help. Everything would turn around if we did that. one request don't kill me I wasn't raised in this I don't know all the right things to do all I've known is sin all I've known is cursing all I've known is the weight of being a servant to a master that didn't care about me David I'm just asking that you don't kill me Dear saints of the First Pentecostal Church in Palm Bay, are we going to love people that aren't like us or are we going to kill them? They haven't sat in the presence of God like you have. They've been raised on a bar stool. They've been raised in drug rehab centers. They've been raised in cardboard boxes under bridges. They just want to know one thing. Are you going to kill me? I've come to say to you today, we'll love you. We'll not kill you. We're not going to destroy you. We'll teach you biblical principles, but you can feel safe here. This is the city of refuge. This is the house of God. God is the one who has the final say. But they just got one more request. Promise me that you won't return me back to that master. I've come to tell you, you don't have to go back to sin. You don't have to leave this place the same way that you came. There is a God that will make a difference in your life. David and his men agree and they all get on their horses and this guy is riding out there in front and leading them. Go this way, go that way, over that ravine. Finally they come to a place and he says, I think they're just down ahead of us. I can tell by the trails and the things that have been littered, I can tell we're close. And they all gather up on that ridge and they look down into that valley. And the Bible says they're all spread out over that valley. And they're all partying and drinking and dancing like there's no tomorrow. They're enjoying their spoil from the invasion of Ziklag. David and his men are there watching from the perimeter. And here's this party going on. And they have no clue of the eyes. Silent eyes. That are looking down on the scene. Dancing with their wives. Dancing with their children. Making merry with their possessions, their food, partying it up, not realizing the destruction that was only minutes away. The Bible says that David and his men come into this camp, only 402 guys, and one of them's half dead. But the Bible says David and his men fight from twilight until the evening of the next day. Until they finally overcame them. Ladies and gentlemen, what's been stolen from you? Is it a family member? Is it your finances? Is it your health? The devil's not going to give it back easily. You're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to pursue your promises. God says, He'll return it all back to you, but you're going to have to pursue it. 
we want it to just be delivered like a FedEx package to our front door. It's not going to happen that way. We're going to have to pursue. We're going to have to pray like never before. We're going to have to storm the gates of hell. We're going to have to make up in our mind. I'm not going to just sit here and die. The Bible says, And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. Are you going to let the devil steal your family, or are you going to pursue? Are you going to let the devil steal all your stuff, or are you going to get it back? We used to sing an old song called, I'm going to the enemy's camp and I'm going to get back what he stole from me. Is there anybody in this house that believes God is giving you a little clue from his word today that you need to pursue? Come on, you've got some friends. They're not told you that they're sick of sin, but you've been able to tell. They've been cast aside. They just want to know, will you pick me up? Give me a second chance. Would you stand to your feet? The Bible says David without fail recovered all. Everything that they had plus more. That's how God works. David came back and it was so much stuff he distributed around to all the south of Judah. All different cities. It was so much stuff. They go back to Ziglag and they're like, we're going to rebuild this place. But before they can even start to put one block on top of the other, they hear the news. That battle that they were going to, King Saul has been killed. David's best friend, Jonathan, the king's son, has been killed. David, time has come for you to be king. Been on a path, David. Thought God had forsaken you. Sometimes it's darkest right before the daybreak. The enemy of your soul takes your family, your house, your possessions, your friends, even turn on you and you don't know what you're going to do. The Lord says, pursue. And you will have victory. You see, ladies and gentlemen, it's not just David in the Bible that experiences all of these levels of anointing. It's not just David who's on his way to a crown. Every one of you and me that walked this journey called life, one day we will be with him. We'll all have crowns because the Bible says we'll throw those crowns before him and say, holy, holy, holy. The Bible says we will rule and reign with him as kings and priests. Maybe right now you're experiencing a zigzag. I just came with a simple word from these holy pages. Don't give up now. You're closer than you realize. You see, David didn't realize it, but God was protecting him so he would not have to go into the battle where King Saul and Jonathan and the Israelites are destroyed. David, I'm going to put you over here. Looks like pain. It looks like troubles it looks like trials but actually it was the protecting hand of God insulated and isolated David but taught him one final lesson before you take the throne David anointing requires you to pursue without fear what God has promised to you right now as every head is bowed and every eye is closed what is the promise that God has put in your heart? What is it that's in your spirit?
Maybe the enemy's tried to convince you you're going to have to learn to live without it. But God is telling you now, pursue. Pursue. For you shall surely overcome. Why don't you pursue God right now by coming to this altar? Step out from wherever you're at. Say, here I come. I'm not going to wait till everything's going right. I'm going to come right now while I'm experiencing the pain of some loss in my life. Some relationships, I don't understand why. I don't know why my friends have turned on me. I don't understand. I've only tried to do what's right. Could it be that God's getting ready to reward you? Just got this one level of anointing that he wants to see if you can pass the test. Come on, all over this building as people are coming. Thank you for coming. I wonder if you'd pursue God with your prayers right now. If you've ever received the gift of salvation, God wants to give that to you right now. Would you be willing to pursue Him? Would you be willing to say, God, here I am with all of my trials, all of my scars, all of my troubles. Here I am, God, I desire you. Would you lift up your hands right now? And would you lift up your voice? And would you pursue God? I've been changed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
I wonder if everybody in this building, I feel this man with man, woman with woman. I wonder if you go and find somebody right now. And would you put your arm up under their shoulder right now? So that they can feel part of their weight is resting on you. That's it. That's it. I want us to shoulder up one another right now. I don't know what you may be going through. But I'm here to tell you I'm going to help you. You're not going to have to bear this by yourself. Come on, God's given you some people, brothers and sisters, that'll stand with you in the heat of battle. You count on me. We're going to pray together. We're going to love people together. We're going to exalt God together. Jesus Thank you Jesus Yes Lord Yes Lord As long as there is love, we will stand.